What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. We should have known this all along because this is the 21st century winner of the crop. This is the movie that feels now. It feels of the moment like Parasite did, like Coda did, like Moonlight did. And that's why it's the exciting choice for the voters. And, the, and I always have said voters vote with their hearts more than their heads when it comes to Best Picture. And I think this is, this is that going to come to life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we're chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2023 Oscars race, which is almost over. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Our predictions for the 95th Oscars in 10 categories. And joining me to do that are EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez and EW Awards expert Dave Carger. Hello to you both. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited to chat. Happy to have you both. Yeah, isn't it wild? I feel like we've been talking about this season forever, uh, which in reality was just, I don't know, six short months. Um, but here we are. We are, we are down to the line, uh, the, the, the final stretch. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, I will say the, uh, the SAG Awards threw us a few curveballs. That's fine. Uh, they were, they were, uh, you know, some welcome curveballs. Love keeping it, um, keeping us all on our toes, um, and including one category uh, where I'd like to start. Let's get there first. Best Supporting Actress, where the nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Stephanie Hsu, both for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, it's worth noting Angela took home uh, the Globe and the Critics' Choice Award, Carrie Condon, the BAFTA, and Jamie Lee Curtis, the SAG Award. Dave Carker, I'm going to start with you. How are you feeling here? Do you know what? It's weird because I had Jamie Lee Curtis as my number one choice for most of the season. And then I, I was essentially bullied, not by anyone in particular, but into switching it to Angela Bassett just when she started winning all of the early awards. And I'm like, well, shoot, I should have just stayed with Jamie Lee the whole time. Uh, I do think Jamie Lee Curtis is going to win. I don't uh, think Carrie Condon can win despite her BAFTA victory. And I... I think whether it's Angela Bassett or Jamie Lee Curtis, because it'll be one of the two of them, it'll be this essentially lifetime achievement prize. Mm. But I just feel like there's more overall love for everything, everywhere, all at once. And that's going to lead to her winning. Although Angela Bassett still has a great shot and it would be mm -hmm. a lovely moment if she won. But I'm thinking it's Jamie Lee. Um, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong here. All Academy voters vote for actors, correct? Or is it just the actors branch? Everybody votes for every category for the winners. For the winners. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, right. So that means, I mean, there are going to be a, a lot of people who were like at the SAG Awards, uh, you know, that didn't vote just in that category. It's not just the actors. So it's going to open it up a bit more. Right. And in those regards, I'm wondering, mm, I don't know. I, th I, I think I'm going to lean with you on that. Patrick, where are you, where are you headed with this category? I'm still holding out that I think Angela's going to 
gonna take it here. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. uh, if it is if it is Jamie Lee and well deserved. Um, to your point, Dave, both would be a lifetime achievement there. I feel like, given when they're all voting, like it could go either way. And I think I think like if everyone voted right now, like Jamie probably. But I feel like there's just been enough slow momentum for Angela for longer. Though, Dave, you were ahead of the curve with Jamie. <laughs> I, I feel like it's going to go there. And here's an interesting thought on this category. I wish I could remember who I saw post this on social media. Um, but they basically said for for everyone who thinks that it's wild uh, for someone from a Marvel movie to win an Oscar, let's not forget that two different actors have won Oscars for playing the Joker from, of course, DC Comics. Um, do you think really the voters are thinking about that, that, that there's some kind of like, oh, we can't award someone from a Marvel movie? A little bit. Yeah. Oh, oh. I, I think I think unless it's like one of these, you know, super dark um, Batman movies with a ridiculously great performance by a Heath Ledger or a Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. I would argue that t- most superhero movies just don't really provide an actor or actress with the kind of material, the kind of scenes, the kind of acting that leads to an Oscar. And that's why I will fully, freely admit I was so out of it this whole season when it comes to Angela Bassett's chances. When I did my first list of, I think, 12 best supporting actress contenders, she wasn't even on it. Because for me, she's Angela Bassett. She's fabulous. Mm -hmm. But she was like, you know, saying typical superhero movie dialogue. And it just didn't strike me as great as she always is that it was an Oscar nominatable performance. I was looking at other things like other people like Gabrielle Union. I'm just trying to mm-hmm. think of all the other people who I had on my list at that some time. Some of the, uh, the some of the actresses from Women Talking. Yes. Yeah. So so her whole run has come as a bit of a surprise to me. I, I fully and freely admit that. And I'm going to look differently now when I watch these uh, Marvel and other superhero movies. I fully agree with you, Dave, in terms of broadly, like the broad strokes of of these these Marvel movies and superhero movies being considered for these even. But I do think that this is a spe- special case. One, it's Angela. Two, it's Black Panther that comes with the history of Black Panther. And three, you know, obviously the stakes are huge on all these Marvel movies. The world's always ending. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you distill down what her character went through in this film, it's a it's a woman thrust into a leadership position as a queen of a country uh, who's dealing with like uh, a national crisis as well as grieving over the death of her son. And then spoiler alert, you also get her death. Like, like there's a lot on paper that makes this a very much of a, a, an Oscar worthy role. If it was any other film, I think when you add into it, it's a superhero film. It kind of, to your point detracts from it, but there was just, there's a lot going for her here. Those are great mm-hmm. points. Great mm-hmm. points. And and really, uh, I've thought about this. I, I don't. I'm sure others have, have felt the same. When you look at something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, I could easily see that um, ha- having been a graphic novel. Uh, you know, there's something so uh, you know artistic and visual and and cool about it that I feel like it could have been uh, you know ripped from the pages of. But the fact that it is from the the minds of and they um, they brought that to life. Um, 
you know, the, these actors I know on on several occasions have said we had no idea what we were making, but we were there. We were committed. We trusted these guys um, and, and they made them um, look fantastic. Um, so let's talk supporting actor where the nominees are uh, both for the Banshees of Anna Sharon, Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keoghan. For uh, Causeway, Brian, Brian Tyree Henry uh, from The Fablemans, Judd Hirsch, and Ki Hui Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Let's go through the wins. Uh, how much time you have for Key? In addition to uh, some festivals, he won New York Film Critics, LA Film Critics, The Golden Globe, The Critics' Choice, The SAG Award. Barry won the BAFTA. Brendan Gleeson uh, won National Board of Review. I uh, will start with Patrick on this one. Who are you thinking? The same that everyone is thinking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I've said it on this podcast before, like I would love to see a Barry, a Barry win here. I think he's fantastic, but I, the momentum is so behind key that I, I just can't imagine this going anywhere else. And, and something we've also discussed here is just like how much these awards uh, acceptance speeches can matter just because people like it endears them as people to us just as much as their performances do. And he's just knocked it out of the park time and time again. It's not, you know, there's some people that by this point in, if we would be like rolling our eyes, like, oh, another speech from them. But there are these people and he is one of them where it just doesn't matter. He's always going to charm us. And I think that that goes a long way as well. So not only is his performance great, but his award show performances have been great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dave, you're going with Judd Hirsch? Yeah, totally. No, in <laughs> fact, I was gonna, I was going to say everything that Patrick just said. There's no yeah. fatigue there's no mm -hmm. award show fatigue on Ki Hui Kwan, and he's terrific, and it's the whole comeback story. Uh, I am still a bit surprised that Brendan Gleeson hasn't just picked up a little bit more momentum overall, because I do yeah. think, I mean, it's essentially a co-lead performance, mm -hmm. and he's just has so many different shadings. I love Barry Keoghan, too, and that's a true supporting yeah. performance. But it's Ki Hui Kwan. I mean, it's, it's a lock, like, end mm -hmm. of discussion. Next category. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I am going to go on to the next one, but I have a general question for you guys. I don't know if it's uh, a discussion you've ever had um, with with any actors who are uh, so ingrained in, uh, you know, award season and like key who are delivering multiple speeches. But to to how you I don't know how much thought you put into. I'll say this at this one because I want to save in case I win. Uh, you know, this story for that one. I don't know if you can plan for that, think about that, but but to your point, Key has always had something different to say. It has never felt like a repeat. And I don't know that you can plan for that. It would be so presumptuous to plan yes. that. Yes, yes. Yeah, we've heard actually the opposite from people that they were like, you know what, I knew I was only getting one shot and had I wait, had I, right. I could have waited for the Oscars to say this one thing, but I did mm -hmm. it at like, one of the guild awards or like this tiny festival because you never know, you never yeah. know. And so I, I think that that's, that's a, you know, shoot your shot when you can. So if you've got something yeah. to say, you say it, you say it early on. Cause you never know. You never, right. never know. Well, I can't wait to hear key speech and, um, uh, Patrick, you and I, I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or just in the office about how we think, um, maybe we could get a, uh, Roberto Benini moment, um, because key at, uh, even at the Oscar nominees luncheon was like fist pumping all the way up to stage. He was uh, kind of bouncing, uh, up there once they, uh, called him up for the class photo. Um, I think it's going to be a, a lovely, beautiful moment and, I cannot wait for that. Okay, now we are moving on to, let's talk best animated feature. We'll come back to, uh, to some of the actors a bit later. Uh, animated feature, we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, 
and turning red. Uh, worth noting, Pinocchio has picked up pretty much every precursor award. Uh, will that be the case at the Oscars? For sure. Mm. It's the it's the one of the five that is truly like a work of art. No mm. no slight on the other four. And I'm obsessed with Marcel the Shell. Yeah. And I was so happy it got nominated. But I just this is one of the races just where it's like a landslide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And and my my personal vote would actually be Marcel. Um, but uh, but for for all the reasons Dave just mentioned, um, Pinocchio's I, I I can't imagine a world in which it doesn't take it. Yeah. And I think that will make uh, Guillermo give him a win in f- will this be five different categories now? Four different. Uh, he He's incredible. He he has plenty of uh, hardware to his name and, and uh, it's going to be another great win for him. OK, let's get into documentary feature. Um, and I, I definitely don't want to lose any viewers here. Stay tuned because there's a, there's kind of an interesting story here to tell in this category. Let me share the nominees. All that breathes, all the beauty and the bloodshed. Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny, which is one that uh, lots of folks may have seen uh, probably more than any of the others. It it has been on CNN. Um, uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed won some early awards. It seemed to be picking up steam. But I... Uh, I don't know. I I think I'm going with Fire of Love on this one. What do you guys feel here, Dave? Oh, I think Navalny has it. Um, I I would compare Navalny to Icarus, which won a couple of years ago. It just has such urgency to it and such intrigue. And it has kind of like a political relevance Mm -hmm. that now I have not seen a house made of splinters, full disclosure. I've only seen the other four. But to me, when I watched Navalny, I was it was an edge of my seat moment way more than you know, any of the other three that I saw. Fire of Love is very cool, but it just seems a much smaller story. And I Mm -hmm. think in the times that we're in and just the urgency of the filmmaking and the suspense of it, I think Navalny's got it. I would agree with you, Dave. I think the only thing that gives uh, Fire of Love to me a little bit of hope is that uh, the story is so quintessential... A ho- like you could have made a Hollywood movie about it, and I think it's like really digestible in that way. And that's not that like that's not the case with some of these others, but I do think that um, this one in particular is um, it, it, that could be just digestible. To somebody that's like mm, I'm not really into documentaries. Like oh, this one the story seems like interesting. So that's yeah, the that only reason I think we could see we could see something else here. But I, I agree, Navaldi has a sense of urgency and importance here that that I think will catapult it there. And to that point, there's even more that CNN has done on this. They had another special out um, this weekend, uh, you know, right when right when folks uh, were were voting um, for Oscars. Um, and I will say Fire of Love did win DGA. Do you think that helps it at all here? Sure. Hmm? No, that's important. Mm-hmm. Very important. And that, that's why it's between those two. Sure. Okay. As much as all the beauty and the bloodshed had the early momentum, yeah. as you were saying, I just I don't think it really has a shot. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's get into the writing categories. Uh, I will name the movies. We can talk specifically about the writers uh, as we get into them. Uh, So first up, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking. That is in the adapted screenplay category. Women Talking won Critics' Choice. uh, And All Quiet on the Western Front won National Board of Review and BAFTA. So that's how the, uh, you know, previous awards uh, kind of fall into place there. Um, Does it feel like there's a lot of momentum here for All Quiet? 
This one's tough. I think yes is the short answer, but at the same time, I think Women Talking, I, because it didn't get any acting nominations, because it doesn't really have a shot in Best Picture, I could see people seeming like this is the award to give that movie. Um, my my, I, I think the performances are fantastic in this movie, and I think the script is really great. Um, I, I think it would have made a better play than movie. Um, but to that point, that that just is a testament to the script, um, and that I that it felt very play like um, and just so rich in its storytelling. Um, that I, I would I I think that's what we're gonna see here, and I think it, it's gonna be their like one shot, and that's why. Mm, that's a great point. <laughs> it's definitely between women talking and all quiet on the Western Front. Those are the two that have a chance to win. And it's interesting because I would I used to always say movies that have a single writer. I think have a better shot than movies with multiple writers and all quiet has three writers. It's Edward Berger, who's the filmmaker and along with two other writers. But as I remember correctly, if I'm right on the actual ballot, it just says the movie title. It doesn't have the writer or writers. Mm. So Mm -hmm. people aren't necessarily thinking about that at the moment that they're checking it off. So part of me wonders if all quiet on the Western front will win, because I think that's a movie with more kind of overall momentum and I think could win three or four Oscars, uh, international film, sound, mm-hmm. I think could win score, maybe cinematography. Um, so, ah, oh, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to say all quiet on the Western front. All right. Okay. Um, I, I think I might be there with you on that one, but I, I would love to see a Sarah Polly win, uh, like you said, Patrick, for women talking and for uh, original screenplay, the Banshees of Sharon, everything everywhere all at once, the Fablemans, Tar and Triangle of Sadness. Tar uh, picked up a couple early wins, Gotham Awards, LA Film Critics, um, The Banshees, Vanna Sharon, M, uh, National Board of Review, Golden Globes, BAFTA, and uh, Daniels won at Critics' Choice Awards for their original screenplay. Dave, what are you thinking here? Lots of love split between these nominees over the I season. I know, and, and it's such a strong category this year, yeah. uh, original screenplay. I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is going to win, which is cool. But if that happens, I think Banshees ends up getting completely shut out. I think this is the only category where the Banshees of Sharon really has a chance to win. It's not going to win editing. It's not going to win for supporting actors. It's not going to win for Carrie Condon. I don't really think it's going to win anymore for Colin Farrell, unfortunately. I think this is its one shot at a win. And it's kind of like Belfast last year where this was its one real shot at a win and it did end up winning. But I just am wondering if there's all of this momentum right now around everything everywhere. So that's, that's my prediction. Mm. I'm I'm with you, Dave, with everything. Again, I wish we had some more disagreements here, but I, (laughs) I, I think that, I think that that's totally where it's at. I think it's, probably between those two, but I do think momentum's behind everything everywhere. You know, and there's there's a lot also, I think, to say about Todd Field's um, screenplay for Tar, because this is one of those movies, I was, uh, I think, the SAG Awards talking about this, that I watched this movie feeling like Lydia Tarr was a real person. I thought this had happened. I thought, you know, even no matter what you know going in, I was like, wow, like, why have I not heard more about this woman's story in real life? Well, because it's made up, Jared. But um, but I think that's how great Todd Field's uh, script is, too, here. Um, And Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, it's It's brilliant. uh, It's the best of all the movies that were nominated this year. Hands down. In my opinion. uh, 
I, I, I would not disagree with you. Again. Yeah, yeah, same. In a different year, in a different year. All right, uh, folks, don't go anywhere. We uh, have four more categories to get through, actor, actress, director, and picture, and we'll do that right after this quick break. The awardist will be right back. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back to The Awardist. We are offering up our predictions for the 95th Oscars. Joining me, EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez and EW Awards expert Dave Carger. All right, guys, the big four. Here we go. Let's talk first. Best Actor, where the nominees are for Elvis, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Sharon, Brandon Fraser for The Whale, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. Bill won uh, LA Film Critics. Brandon has picked up wins from Critics' Choice and SAG. Colin uh, coming out of the gates, swinging pretty early. New York Film Critics, National Board of Review, Golden Globes, uh, musical comedy at the Globes, by the way, because Austin Butler won Globes Drama, as well as the recent BAFTA Awards. Um, okay, Dave, you've already kind of you think Colin is now out of this, so that means we all agree this is a now a two-man race between Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser. Who are you giving the edge to? Well, so you know, we have this interesting thing this year where in all four of the acting races, four separate people won the BAFTA and the SAG Award. Right. It's been 25 years, by the way, since that's happened. 25 wow. years since that's happened. So I went back and I looked at all the cases in the last like 15 years where one person won the SAG, someone else won the BAFTA. Now, I'm not counting a case like... Doing Regina your homework. <laughs> I'm not counting a case like Regina King where she wasn't even nominated for either. And then, But in cases where one person won one and then went on to win the Oscar. What's interesting, I'll make this really quick. In the space of time between 2009 and 2014, so roughly between 15 years ago and 10 years ago, in cases where one person won the SAG and someone else won the BAFTA, in almost all the cases, the SAG winner went on to win the Oscar, nine out of 11 times. But if you look at the past five years, from 2016 to 2022, it swings in the opposite direction. And more often, the BAFTA winner is the person who ends up winning the Oscar. You can look at Olivia Coleman winning the BAFTA and then winning the Oscar. You can look at Anthony Hopkins winning the BAFTA and then winning the Oscar. Mark Rylance, people like that. So, and I think this speaks to the fact that the Academy has become more international. So there's probably a little bit more of an overlap between BAFTA and the Academy. So I'm, I'm thinking that even though the SAG winners are probably going to win in the supporting races, Kihui Kwan and Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm going with Austin Butler now. 
And I don't mm. feel confident on it. And, um, but I'm thinking that he might win. I will say whoever wins best actor, I think they're also going to win best makeup. So if the whale yeah. wins best makeup, then he'll win best actor. If Elvis wins best makeup, then he'll win best actor. I think it's going to mm. go hand in hand like it did with Gary Oldman in the darkest hour or mm -hmm. Meryl Streep and the iron lady. But this is, uh, ask me an hour from now and I'll have a different. <laughs> prediction for you but i just i think it's going to be austin butler for elvis mm. well i mean it's a great point about makeup which of course we'll know that uh earlier in in the night uh which direction that's going to go and to uh to the point of something you said which we can expand upon a little bit more i was about to ask uh if you thought that shift over the last five years had to do with uh because certainly over the last uh handful of years probably about five the membership of the academy has changed a lot. They have opened it up to a lot more people because, of course, we went through how many years in a row where we had Oscar so white. Um, and they were like, yeah, well, we need to change that for multiple reasons, uh, starting with the composition of our membership. Uh, so you think that is a pretty hand-in-hand -hand, um, effect there? I do. I do. And by the way, I could be wrong. It, it, might, it might just be a coincidence. But I, I think there's something to be said there. And, um, you know, particularly with some of these you know, surprising quote unquote wins, like where everybody thought Glenn Close was going to win the Oscar, but then mm -hmm. Olivia Coleman won. But if we had listened to BAFTA, we would have known that. And everyone was surprised that Chadwick Boseman didn't win the Oscar, that Anthony Hopkins won. Well, again, if we had looked at BAFTA, we would have seen that coming. So right. I'm, I, I, I'm not taking it away from Brendan Fraser. I, I just, there is something about that, even though it's not my favorite movie, there's something about that movie and that performance that really seems to grab people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I think that there there are a lot of people who really love that movie and love that performance. But I'm I'm right now I'm leaning just barely towards Austin Butler. Okay, all right, you heard it there, Patrick. I think that's fascinating, Dave. First of all, what you were saying about the uh, makeup of the Academy and how that's diversified, not just thankfully um, in terms of race and I know uh, also gender, but, but, uh, international, um, versus just being, uh, American representation in there. And, and so that is, that's fascinating that that truly could be having a, a large impact here. And I, I agree. I think, I think just Brendan was kind of a nice surprise because I'm glad he got a second to get up there and give a speech. Um, but I, I think that was his moment. And I think, I think it's going to be Austin. Um, I think that that's, I think that that's the safe bet here. Wow. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hard to know. And, and listen, I'm not even a hundred percent counting out a Colin Farrell upset. I don't think it's going to happen again. I think Banshee's had a lot of nominations, but it just doesn't seem to me like a movie that's going to win much if anything, unfortunately, as much as I love it. So yeah, I do think it's between those two guys and it's going to be a really exciting moment regardless of which of the three of them or really which of the five of them that it is. Well, it, 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 to your point, like it's it's such an interesting. We were just talking about fatigue. Um, it, it was so interesting how Colin was like a front runner for so much of the early conversation in terms of like, okay, it's 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 for a minute it was like between him and Brendan, and then it, Austin kind of came into the mix as a third as a third horse in the race, and then suddenly Colin started to like kind of fade more into the background. And that's been a fascinating thing to watch because had the had the had the voting happened right after nominations i think we'd be talking a lot more about colin and his chances here and for whatever reason it just his momentum has has slowed down yeah and it's too bad 
because I think it's the best performance he's ever given and he's given many great ones. Mm-hmm. And I just love that movie. And I, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what's holding it back. Is it, I think obviously the Brendan Fraser performance has that like super strong emotional pull and the Austin Butler, of course, playing a real person that's helpful. And both of them have the transformation aspect, physical transformation aspect that that's what Colin Farrell is lacking. And I think in this day and age, people seem to want the Rami Malek moment where, or the Gary Oldman moment where the person has really physically transformed, not just become a different character looking like how they already look. Well, whatever happens, it's going to be an exciting night. And, uh, you know, can't wait uh, to see, uh, you know, what happens there. Lots of lots of anticipation for that category. Also for this one, Best Actress, uh, where the nominees are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Ana de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough to Leslie, Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, Michelle Yeoh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. She has picked up wins from National Board of Review, Golden Globes, Musical Comedy, uh, and Screen Actors Guild. Kate Blanchett has won several New York film critics, LA film critics, Golden Globes drama, Critics' Choice, BAFTA, uh, and that pretty much sums it up. So uh, we know we know what's between uh, the two of them. Uh, how to decide? How to decide, Dave? How are you deciding? Again, I'm having a hard time predicting, and I'm. Tr- it's also hard for me because it's hard for me to keep my personal feelings out of it. In this case, mm. I just I love Michelle Yeoh. She's great, and she's she does a fantastic job in the movie. Yeah. But how can anyone watch Tar? And not check off Kate Blanchett's name. Like, it, I, I don't care if you think the movie's too esoteric. How can you watch that and not vote for her? Unless people haven't watched it, which I'm sure there are people who have not. But they've probably seen everything everywhere all at once, and they're going to vote for Michelle Yeoh. And by the way, I'm sure there's a lot of people who just didn't care for Tar, they left him cold, and feel that yeah. Kate Blanchett already has two Oscars, and Michelle Yeoh doesn't have any, and, and that's why yeah. they're going to vote for Michelle. I'm still predicting Kate Blanchett just because... It's a spectacular performance, the likes of which we very rarely see. It's a high wire act that she did. It's phenomenal. Everything Everywhere is going to have many wins. I just don't know if the sweep is going to, like, if the broom is going to reach that corner um, <laughs> to Michelle Yeoh. Well, and as you just spoke about the BAFTA, I mean, like, she she won that. And, and for all the reasons that, that Austin stands a good chance because of that overlap in in uh, membership i think kate could take it too and i think it's interesting because tar is such a polarizing movie even amongst uh critics and pundits it's interesting that all three of us happen to be fans of it so maybe we're we're you know fueling each other's uh Mm -hmm. fervor here but i mean it really is i mean there is a scene in which she is uh, speaking uh german she is conducting which is not Mm -hmm. something she like does in her normal life. She's speaking English uh, and, and actually like acting the hell out of all of it. And then you remember that actually she's doing it all with an American accent, like to add an extra layer of com- um, complexity to both the English and German that she is speaking. There's just so much technically she's got going on. Then again, you look at Michelle Yeoh and as has been said, like she had to like use those tabs to even keep track of what universe she's in at any given moment there was a lot of work that went into both these roles, uh, but I, I agree with you, Dave. Like, if I was voting, it would be for Kate, and I think she's going to pull it out, but there would be no surprise if it's if it's Michelle. All right, that's another exciting one. Can't wait to see where that goes. Uh, last two here. Let's get into the director race, where we have Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, 
Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostlin for Triangle of Sadness. Uh, so the Daniels have won Critics' Choice and DGA. Steven Spielberg won uh, National Board of Review and the Golden Globe. Todd Field uh, picked up a win from L.A. Film Critics. Momentum seems to be behind Daniels here, um, but I don't know if I'm convinced. Maybe I am. Um, is it theirs to lose, I suppose? Yeah, I, I would agree with that framing of it. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, it's for, this, it's, it's for the same reasons that I was just talking about why Kate's performance was so impressive to me. It's all the different things that they, that she had to juggle. It's the same thing here for the Daniels. Like they told a a wholly original story with dozens of cuts in, in even, even the normal scenes that they were doing and just the amount of complexity that went into producing this film uh, and, and directing it and getting it, getting it onto the screen. I think they're going to be rewarded for that. That is not to say that the directors of any of these other films didn't also put in a ton of work and do fantastic work, um, but it, it's it's almost hard to compare everything everywhere to anything else because it's just it's just visually stunning. It's completely new and different than anything we've ever seen before, and that takes a lot of talent to do that well. Um, you know, Steven Spielberg is a fantastic director, but. It's it's a non biopic biopic that is <laughs> fairly conventional in terms of like the way it looks and feels and and was directed and so that's why I think I think it's the Daniels's to lose but again you know the Academy loves loves them some Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. yeah and it's interesting because I, as you guys know very well about fifty percent of the time in the last decade there's a split between best director and best picture that's a lot yeah of the time way more than it ever was back, you know, decades ago. So even last year, Coda won Best Picture without even a nomination for Best Director and Jane Campion won. I just don't see a director with enough support. It's, I mean, if it's anyone, it's Steven Spielberg. But I don't, I, don't, it, I don't think The Fablemans is the power of the dog. I don't think The Fablemans is that close a runner-up to everything, everywhere, overall. Mm-hmm. So that the Academy would feel, and again, none of these decisions are made as a group. This is everyone voting individually. So it's hard for me to say the Academy wants to do this, but right. I don't think there's going to be enough votes for anyone else because everything everywhere all at once is running away with it by and large yeah. for anyone else in the directing category to cause a split. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like, it's not like Fableman's is an underdog. Like, like sometimes right. you see those, those stories of like, oh, this is a small film and we want to reward it. And this sort of thing. It's like, no, it, it's Steven Spielberg doing a, you know, massive studio film. Right. 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 Yep. Yeah. yeah. Not, not an indie by any means. So then that takes us to best picture where there are 10 uh, nominees, much to Dave's chagrin. Take, roll it back to five, right? They bring should. it back to the good old days. Um, At least it would make it easier to predict. So, yeah. uh, that's certainly the truth. Uh, so the 10 nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Now, I recall once upon a time, months ago, where we were like, ooh, Top Gun Maverick, they are making moves. They are really going for that best picture win. It could go all the way. That ain't going to happen. This really seems to be, again, like most categories, it's either going to be Fablemans or everything. And uh, like you said, Dave, just a few seconds ago, the momentum is there. 
for E-E-A-A-O, um, which is not even as easy to say as the full title. Um, and what's so interesting, though, is that all season long, it's not been that way. We've had a, such a back and forth in so many categories, and this moment didn't really emerge until right near the finish line where everything really has kind of come into focus. Yeah, it's interesting because now, of course, with 2020 hindsight, I can say, obviously, everything everywhere all at once is going to win. <laughs> yeah. um, well, first of all, we should tell people that everything everywhere all at once has now won the Producers Guild, Directors Guild, and Screen Actors Guild. Yes. No movie has ever won all three of those and then lost the Oscar. So I don't even think it's between everything everywhere all at once and anything else. It's over. Mm. It's done. done. And it's the same thing where there's no kind of like, oh, God, we're going to give it to that. People are excited to give it to that. Right. And, and now in the 2020 hindsight, I can say, we should have known this all along because this is the 21st century winner of the crop mm -hmm. more than the Fablemans, more than the Banshees, more than even Top Gun. Mm -hmm. This is the movie that feels now. It feels of the moment like Parasite did, like Coda did, like Moonlight did. And that's why it's the exciting choice for the voters. And, the, and I always have said voters vote with their hearts more than their heads when it comes to best picture. And I think this is, this is that going to come to life with everything everywhere winning. Mm -hmm. it, it will. It's, it's heart and head here. I think, you know, yes. because not only is it like a story that feels as of now, but like, like, you know, we were just talking about with director. It's like, this is a very complicated, like there's a lot of reasons to want to uh, award this film. And what's interesting is Jared, you know, you pointed out like Fablemans uh, and, or everything. And I think that that's fair but All Quiet on the Western Front winning at BAFTA like also puts it up in, in contention of like, I actually, if, if you would ask me to narrow it down to two, those are maybe the two that I would have said with Banshee. Like, I don't know, Fablemans to me is actually kind of further down on the list in terms of, of contenders here. Although I say that now and watch that be the upset. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we're going to have an upset. Um, and, and, and I'm not mad about it. I, I enjoy everything everywhere all at once. A lot of people do. Um, it, it has a lot going for it. And um, yeah, I, I know when this movie came out, gosh, last March, we were sitting down with the cast at, at South by Southwest. And in those, you know, immediate weeks afterwards in April, conversations around the, uh, the office, even here, where it's a great movie, not going to win Oscars. Um, and oh boy, how, well, I mean, you know, as we said, things come into focus when you get to see all of the other options, uh, and not that they're, uh, not that, you know, there aren't, uh, movies that are just as good. There are some really fantastic movies in this crop. We've talked about some of them already, but those others don't have that thing that everything everywhere all at once has. Well, and I, and I would say what that thing is, and I, and I'm not saying this in a crass way. I'm say, stating this very matter of fact. The people who have run the campaign, and this is a campaign, mm -hmm. much like a political campaign, people who have run the campaign for this movie have done it right yep. because the story that's being told is a story of representation and inclusion couched in what Patrick has very rightfully described as a complex, cool movie. Mm -hmm. But they were able to tell this story of inclusion and representation in a way that did not feel forced. It yeah. was very organic to the movie. And they have these people like Michelle Yeoh and Kihui Kwan at the forefront, kind of carrying the flag, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, that's going to be the story too, is that just how expert um, this whole campaign was for getting awards for this film.
It will be studied for sure. Just like mm-hmm. Andrea Riseboros, we talked about, uh, you know, her, her right. team. She also Penelope Cruz, same folks who, uh, you know, got them uh, their nominations. Um, one thing we didn't mention um, is if everything everywhere all at once wins, it will be the first film since Crash that was released in the first half of the year to win. Yeah, that's interesting. I was like trying to do the research to see what to like, which one, but Crash was released in May. And everything everywhere was March. March. So the earliest release, yeah, in quite a while. Um, well, we, of course, at EW.com and across our socials and, uh, you know, wherever you check us out, we are going to have full coverage of Oscars uh, this coming weekend, Sunday, March 12th, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. Um, I, I suspect, I don't know, Dave, are you going to be live tweeting it? Where will you be watching? I'll probably be live tweeting it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, and and Patrick and I will uh, will will be right there. Very excited for it. Cannot wait. Uh, Patrick and Dave, thank you so much as always for joining me. Of course, a pleasure. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. And be sure to stay tuned to The Awardist as we continue to cover Emmy season. It's coming up very quickly. We'll see you back here soon. This episode of the Awardist podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. Listening.